Good morning. Welcome into the program. Talk of the town with Dave and Sarah. Nice start to the day. You know what? Today's the day. You probably want to get out, take a walk, do jumping jacks in the backyard because, well, it's going to rain. It's going to rain for a while. So enjoy the day. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. Lots to get to. We're going to speak to a physician at WVU Medicine where the FDA has approved investigational drug approval for COVID-19 immunotherapy. Dr. Brian Pepper is going to join us just a couple of minutes from now. Later on, uh, Ron Justice with the Milan Park Foundation and Milan Park Director Keith Hernstrom uh, going to join us as well to discuss the impacts of the COVID-19 shutdown on Milan Park. And if you remember, uh, good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Dave. Uh, if you remember, the last time I think Keith and Ron joined us, we were talking about a lot of improvement projects to the park, uh, including uh, my radio booth at the ball field. Well, where are those projects amidst all of this happening? Uh, we'll talk to them coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour. And if we have some time, a couple of items to check in on from last night's Morgantown City Council meeting as well. Of course, we always welcome your participation at 800-765-TALK. And uh, probably best way to get into the show today is going to be the text line 304-TALK-304 or uh, the Twitter machine at Dave and Sarah AM is our Twitter handle. So, uh, big birthday bash last night? Oh, yeah. Did the did the boys do something for you? And by the boys, I mean Jeff do something in uh, for the boys, one of those kinds of things? No. Nothing? You got gypped. He, you got gypped. He got me, um, I didn't have to cook dinner. We did a gluten-free pizza. <laughs> wow. Woo! So Wild night at for the me, Josie not house. having to cook dinner though is that's huge. I yes, Wild I will times. take it. And I honestly, you know, because I, I when I do leave here for the day, I manage two children and a home and also a business. Yeah, sure do. And I did take, with the exception of a couple meetings that I had to fit in, I did take the day off, kind of day for the most part well, I'm, I'm glad you were able to do that yeah so it was a bit of a, a day off that was my and for me that's huge so that was so kind of your boys to give you a, a day off well jeff jeff gave me the day off <laughs> well i was just counting him as one of the boys <laughs> right <laughs> because I mean, he took care of the boys you're all by yourself there with this this house of yeah. Juicy men. Well, and running a business from your living room with two toddlers, at this point I think I can call them both toddlers, is, yeah. Mackie's birthday's got to be coming up, right? Yeah. May? May. He'll be a year old. A year. A so, year. Yeah. Next thing you know, he'll be moving out next thing you know. It actually made this a harder birthday for me because I knew that it meant his birthday, <laughs> his year was coming up. Because, again, I don't care so much about me growing old, but I hate... I'm I'm gonna I, I like each milestone of excitement of, of a new phase of life with the kids, but it's also so bittersweet because it's sad to I don't have a baby anymore. Yeah, yeah. Next He's a toddler. You know, He's toddle toddling. He'll he'll be driving soon, you know, he'll he'll be getting that uh gig in San Francisco. This is not helpful country. <laughs> for my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, it was I'm glad you had a nice day. Yeah, it was a nice good. day. 
let's get caught up on the headlines, and there were plenty of them coming out of yesterday's uh, daily briefing as far as our uh, COVID-19 response. One of the first things the governor did was uh, shut down the schools for in-class learning, and it was a decision I think, Sarah, we were all kind of expecting and maybe just hoping against and hoping maybe we would get through this a little quicker and that schools going back would be a um, a catalyst to reopen the state. Well, we found out yesterday, kind of what we all probably knew in the back of our minds anyway, uh, that will not be the case. In-person, in-classroom learning uh, will not happen for the rest of the academic year. Distance learning will continue, um, whatever distance learning is occurring right now. And I, the goal now will be to get kids back into the class in, in fall. Now, we talked to Dr. Eddie Campbell, Mon County School Superintendent, and he discussed that yesterday. You know, they've already uh, started that conversation. So no more school. And, of course, the next logical domino to fall was that other uh, thing that we kind of, or at least I had been hoping against and hoping would not be the case. Uh, the WVSSAC came out and said, yeah, that makes it official. No school, no sports. So the high school basketball tournaments, uh, the girls' tournament, which had been suspended in progress, and the boys' tournament, which never got started, were both canceled, and the entirety of the spring sports season was canceled as well. So, you know, 2020 is going to go down as the year. Uh, in the record books, when you look back, that will not have champions for basketball, won't have champions for softball, baseball, track champions, won't be crowned this year. Uh, it's going to be noted right there in the record books uh you know no championship pandemic mm -hmm. and uh i don't know if it made it more real for me or not you know again heavily involved in, in covering high school sports and i don't know if that made it more real or just one of those things you were kind of it was one of those uh, slivers of hope you were kind of hanging on to that something uh, may resume but mm. it, in all practicality it, it wasn't practical or no. logical uh, to take that step at this point or anyway. Logistically, it just, yeah, logistically. It just doesn't make sense. Because to to make these things happen, whether resumption of the state tournament or even if it's to get spring sports moving, uh, you know, you've there are logistical hurdles and you need time to plan. And, well, we were time we were running out of, uh, at least for the spring. So hopefully uh, by the time we get to Labor Day weekend, we'll be we'll be talking about the resumption of school and sports. Um, 929 positive cases now reported in West Virginia of the coronavirus. The first positive, can you believe, now March 13th seems like a long time ago. It seems like a really long time ago, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. That was the first reported case of COVID-19. 25,435 people tested. The infection rate dropped a little bit with more tests coming in, 3.65%. 571 active cases. This is an important number, and I don't think it gets enough attention. 330 people are considered recovered at this point. Mm -hmm. 85 hospitalized. Uh, that's 43 on the floor if you are going with hospital lingo. Uh, 24 are in ICU on ventilators. 18 are in ICU. 486 of the current 571 active cases are recovering at home. Got an update from Sundale Nursing Home yesterday. They have started retesting the residents and staff there. Remember the initial 33 residents who had uh, and staff who had tested positive? Um, 15 of them are now considered to have recovered. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are still some testing positive. They are still monitoring very, very closely and have as many safeguards in place as possible. Uh, and uh, daily briefing going to be a little bit later today, 4 o'clock today, with the governor and other state officials. Quick couple of notes. Morgantown City Council last night voted uh, to approve a budget amendment for the FY21 spending plan, reducing spending by $3.1 million. In the FY, again, this is an important note, in the fiscal year 21 budget, which comes up, starts July 1, uh, there is $10,000 in the budget to help house the homeless. That had been talked about a little bit on this show. Uh, budget amendment for the current fiscal year was also approved, and Assistant City Manager Emily Mozzarelli was named the interim city manager with Paul Brake departing on, I think his last day is May 14th. One other non-COVID-related note, Sarah. Mm-hmm. U.S. Marshals arrested a murder suspect in Morgantown yesterday. 33-year-old Brian Esters was one of four... Uh, Brutal murder in Akron, Ohio. Mm. All right, that gets you caught up to date. Get more information at WAJR.com. We'll talk to Dr. Brian Peppers about this new treatment study going on at WVU Medicine. We'll do that on the other side of the break. 915, Dave and Sarah. Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town on WAJR. We'll talk to the guys up at Milan Park coming up bottom of the hour, how the park has been affected, how the improvement projects at the park have been affected from the COVID-19 shutdown. WVU Medicine receiving FDA investigational drug approval for COVID-19 immunotherapy. That was the headline that I received yesterday. And here to explain it in much greater and thorough detail is uh, WVU Medicine Pediatric and Adult Allergist and Immunologist, Dr. Brian Peppers. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, hey, first of all, how are you hanging in there uh, through this uh, pandemic? Uh, we're hanging in there. You know, I think everybody in medicine knows what we signed up for before, uh, you know, uh, these things break out. So. I read the headline there. Can you explain the headline? What are we talking about here? Sure. Uh, so what we're talking about is using actually a very old and traditional technique um, of taking um, somebody's plasma uh, that has recovered from COVID-19. And this plasma is enriched in things called antibodies that are proteins that will recognize COVID-19. And they act like suction cups, and they stick to things uh, particularly this virus um, of interest, uh, the COVID-19 virus, and tells the body to get rid of it in a more efficient manner than when somebody's first getting exposed to an infection and having to learn it all from the first time. Um, and so that's really the basis for the therapy. What about this treatment uh, or, or this investigation at WVU is different from similar uh, programs that have already started across the country. Right. So this is the first protocol that actually includes children um, in the country. And our, our particular protocol has sequential treatment um, arms in it. So uh, the, a lot of the nation's protocols have just, you get one treatment and that's it. Our particular protocol has a sequential treatment based on your severity and where you are at the time that you arrive in the hospital. Where in this process are you? So we actually just got FDA approval 
for the IND, and we have uh, institutional review board approval. So we're actually uh, green-lighted and started. Um, the issues that facing everybody across the country is actually getting access to the covalescent plasma, um, which the American Red Cross and uh, Vitalant and many other uh, national collectors are working to distribute that uh, to all the different regions of the country. Yeah, that was going to be our, my next question is, how do you get that plasma? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you have to track down recovered patients, or, or is there a group, and it sounds like uh, the Red Cross is a part of this, who's uh, helping track that down so you know we can advance these studies? Well, here at WVU, we are actually, part of our study is to contact people in West Virginia who have had the uh, infection and are recovered and referring them to places for donation. And we are trying to secure the plasma to some portions of the plasma to come back to West Virginia to be used regionally and locally, um, but also to contribute to the national efforts. How has this type of therapy worked with other viruses? You know, maybe H1N1 comes to mind. Um, how has it worked with other viruses in the past, and what are the indicators right now as far as its application to coronavirus? Yeah, so for the flu, it has been used in the past, and depending on the study, you'll see some mixed results with it. Um, but throughout history, um, it is somewhat virus-dependent, but with other coronaviruses, it has shown uh, benefits. And the therapy itself will either help or do no harm. Uh, very rarely does the actual plasma in the infusion process cause problems for the patient. Um, and so that's one advantage it has is that it's promoting health by working with the body's own natural abilities to fight the infection. Um, it's actually a natural product in many ways. Um, but it has been already studied in uh, COVID-19 in two different studies. Um, and in both studies, although small, five and 10 patient studies, um, everybody uh, survived. And it did show re uh, marked reductions in viral load and inf inflammation in the body within days of receiving it. Now, as you're looking at the study and, and planning forward, what is the long-term goal? What are you hoping this will achieve? The long-term goal of this study, uh, and I think the nation's efforts in general, is to provide an intermediate solution for uh, the current problem while vaccines and purified versions of this covalescent plasma are made and actually distributed. So uh, like for uh, chickenpox or varicella, we have the exact same medication except we get the plasma from people, we purify it, and they take only uh, plasma from those who have particularly high titers in the varicella uh, antibody. Um, and then they make the medication out of that. And so they remove all the other stuff that's in the plasma. And you can give higher doses of it in those particular circumstances. Talking to Dr. Brian Peppers, WVU Medicine. He's a pediatric and adult allergist and immunologist. Uh, they are working on this uh, immunotherapy at WVU Medicine. Uh, do we know enough yet uh, about uh, this particular coronavirus and COVID-19? Um, once you've had it, once you've recovered, once you have those antibodies, do we know enough yet about how susceptible you are to getting it again, or do you get it again, or are we still in the, you know, trying to figure all of that out phase? 
Well, there is the old adage that you can never have the same cold twice. Um, <laughs> however, with the immune system, there are many exceptions to that. Um, if you don't have an immune deficiency, your body should retain the memory of COVID-19, this particular strain. Um, and depending on how well it remembered it will determine your response to it. So if your antibody levels, so your antibodies tend to last about six months in your body, um, or if we take one antibody, it, about three weeks, um, but at the same time, the way your body produces it, it'll start making it for about six months, but it'll always sort of be there in the background and the cells will be ready to jump on it. So yes, you can get it again, but the second time it should be nowhere near as bad um, and you should be able to speed up your recovery and your response to it because it'll be a secondary time you've gotten the infection, not a primary time. To some degree, is this, uh, we've heard herd immunity, <laughs> um, H-E-R-D immunity, where as a species, human beings, kind of, if we can all be creating these antibodies, how that can help us as an overall population. Is this a little bit of what you're talking about? That would definitely help the herd immunity is more people that make the uh, antibodies, the better. Yes. Um, but it's specific for the individual. Like it, as far as one is looking at herd benefit, which is protecting everybody by proxy and also protecting those who have weaker immune systems that can't actually mount the response. And the other is a uh, point of view is from the individual's perspective. I have just one more because we're running out of time. Dave and I were giving nonverbals there to see how much time we have. Um, uh, my, my final question is, whenever we're talking about antibodies, is this something that with – is there anything we can be doing right now until we do have a vaccination that can help us with antibodies? Or is that why we have to stick to social distancing? Because you can't just create these without getting the virus. That is correct. There are studies – uh, being used for the covalescent plasma to passively immunize people by giving them the antibodies even though they're not sick. And those antibodies, um, they have a half-life of three weeks, and so every three weeks half of what we gave you is gone. Um, whether or not that process would actually prevent somebody from getting an infection is the purpose of those studies. Um, but we do that in many other types of treatments already. There are medications for other um, array of illnesses that use that type of antibody. We just don't know with uh, COVID-19 how successful it will be yet. Really awesome that this is happening at WVU Medicine. Really awesome that this is happening in West Virginia. And uh, you know what? Keep us up to date on, on the study and what you learn and what we figure out. I think this is uh, really interesting. Again, it's great that it's happening uh, here in West Virginia. Doc, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Dr. Brian Peppers, allergist and immunologist at WVU Medicine, adult and pediatric allergist, immunologist there. Awesome stuff that this is happening in our own backyard mm -hmm. and uh, how quickly it's happening as well. All right, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk to the folks up at Milam Park. They have been impacted, certainly, with everything being shut down. There's, well, there's no leagues. There's no games. There's, no, there's nothing, nothing going on. Or is there? We'll find out. We're going to talk to Ron Justice. He's with the Milan Park Foundation and Keith Hernstrom, who is the Milan Park director. We'll talk to them on the other side of this news break. Right now, it is 930. Let's get an update from the Metro News Anchor Desk. Find out what's happening all across the great state of West Virginia.
Listen to the Talk of the Town podcast anytime, anywhere on WAJR.com. <laughs> you have this unique ability, Sarah, and only a couple of people have it. You crack me up during the breaks, and you don't mean to. And certainly the subject we were discussing, very, very serious, but nonetheless, you left me laughing at the end of it. <laughs> and I appreciate that. It's what makes this relationship work. Yeah. I'm not trying to be funny 99% <laughs> no, of the you're time. you're not, but it's, you leave me laughing. Well, because what I do is I go on my rants off air. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. <laughs> Well, everything, hey, we're still at the stay-at-home order. We are taking baby steps toward reopening the state, and everybody's been impacted. That includes the folks up at Milan Park in Monongalia County. Uh, last time we talked to Ron Justice and Keith Hernstrom, uh, we were talking about improvement projects up at the park. How have those been impacted? How's the park been impacted overall with, you know, no, no ligs, no games, nothing happening right now? Here to explain, Ron Justice, Milan Park Foundation, and Keith Hernstrom, who's the Milan Park Director. Good morning, gentlemen. I mean, Good morning. Right. Good morning. Hey, Ron. Hey, Keith. Good hey, morning. How are you? Dave and Sarah. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Ron, how are you holding up? Oh, uh, just like everyone else. Uh, you know, uncertainty and everything, but uh, certainly uh, hopeful and, and continuing to work. You know, one of the things even before we talk about Milan Park in, in such a, a difficult time, and you all pointed this out so well, is is the community leadership that we have and how people have stepped up. And uh, there's always a, a situation that, that's worse than our own, and, and certainly that's the way we've approached it at Milan Park, that, uh, you know, we want to be here to be part of the bigger community. And whatever that means, uh, you know, when we get on the other side of this, so that's what it means. But what can we do to help at this point in time? And uh, Keith, you hanging in there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, second what what Ron said, we we've been impacted, but we we're not unaware that that everybody's been impacted, and and this has really been an opportunity for us to to leverage uh, what Milan Park is right now and how we can help the community, and certainly. Um, what is planned for for reopening and how we can continue to support. Well. How can you help the community right now? Uh, Keith or Ron, either, either one of you can answer this question, but, but how can you help the community at a time like this? Well, one of the fortunate things, uh, having the, the center's management team early on in this, uh, literally when the first case was reported, uh, they had the ability to kind of look at, at other surrounding communities where they, they operate and, and took steps even before closure. And I think we operated from the, the very get-go safety and the well-being of all the people that use Milan Park is the highest priority and made decisions based on that. From there, uh, when the governor's orders came down and, and other things unfolded, uh, we needed to take a look at some, some priorities, and obviously we were going to be impacted. But one of the very first things that we did was say, hey, you know, whether it's a user uh, group, for example, the, the Grand Bash uh, the small amount of money that would come to Milan Park off that versus what could be realized for the, the bigger community was more impactful for them. So how do we look to reschedule events? How do we look to move things into other areas to, to help folks? And, and from the largest to the smallest, try to do that. And we immediately reached out to the Board of Education, the County Commission, other partners, and they immediately came back to us and said, uh, you know, we knew we had facilities. We knew we had opportunity. 
So one of the first things, uh, working with 911 and the, uh, Sean Sakura on our board and the other county commissioners, they, they were able to, to put together uh, with First Energy is something that you don't even think about, uh, a staging area in case there, there would be a, a power emergency and where would we stage and how would we do it. Uh, you know, we reached out to our healthcare uh, professionals and said, hey, we've got a 53,000 square foot facility if need be. Same with the Board of Education. And very quickly, uh, the Board of Education called, and you can't say enough about the work that uh, the entire board, but led by Ron, Ron Lytle and Nancy Walker, and, and you can't say enough about Justin Byers and his wife, because they, you know, think about this, they all have their lives and their businesses that they have to worry about, but putting others first, and, and they immediately moved the uh, feeding program um, preparation to Milan Park, and those volunteers have done an outstanding job, but you know, all sorts of little things like that, that we can help the bigger community, and as day by day, things unfold, obviously, with the announcement yesterday, that schools will be, um, you know, uh, shut down now for the remainder of the semester. We're in a position that uh, I'm assuming that will continue and how, how can we help and the community help. So as we continue to work through the financial impacts of this, you know, we want to take that attitude. Secondly, looking at our employees, being able to keep them on, not impact their, their families. The third thing was uh, we had a number of contracts that you've alluded to, uh, and, and that's so important to, to small business to get their contracts in and get them done. So we were able to do um, everything uh, through the CDC guidelines and the governor's orders to see where we could position those to continue that work, which we've, we've done. And, and we just kind of take it down day by day uh, because, again, whether it's, um, you know, a senior not getting to play the spring sport, which we have three of the four spring sports for University of Morgantown High, at Milan Park, or whether it's a child not having a birthday party or a larger event or just the community wanting to, to, you know, get out and do what they can do within the guidelines, um, everyone's in a worse situation. So we're going to come out of this fine. We've got a lot of work to do, but, you know, putting others before ourselves was, was our main priority. We are speaking with Ron Justice, Milan Park Foundation president, and Keith Hernstrom, the Milan Park director. And, you know, you were talking about spring sports and big events taking place. And, you know, these are things with massive crowds. These are things that have been for the time being shut down. And even as we get back into phase one, uh, are not necessarily going to be things that are able to immediately be put back into place. So, as we talk about impact, what has this done for your day-to-day in particular? What, what are your revenues looking like? How will this sort of trickle down? Well, I, I'll allude to Keith on that, but we've been working our financial models, and there will be an impact, but Keith can better answer that. But we just want to be prepared for whatever it is coming out of this, whether it's phase one, or to, to be able to serve the community. Keith, go ahead. Yeah, Absolutely. So, of course, this has been tough on our operations. They rely heavily on the utilization of facilities and services for for revenue that that goes back into those facilities and services uh, to the public. And, and however, even without the public, the upkeep, safety, maintenance of our facilities, our roads and grounds, it must continue, right? We we cannot defer that that maintenance. So, uh, while there is an impact on revenue, we... uh, you know, still have expenses that, that are there. But what we're looking towards is the fluidity of this situation is sort of uh, we've rolled with and we've adapted 
our our summer plans to to meet the guidelines that are out there. And what what we do from a management perspective, um, staying true to our mission to uh, get folks in the community out to Mile Park participating. We're working with each of our our partners, uh, all of our promoters for the large events, like you mentioned, Sarah, and our internal programs to see how we can still accommodate uh, a modified amount of use. What we don't want is to completely uh, stay shut down. So as soon as the, the guidance comes from our state and local officials that we can reopen, we will heed those guidelines and we'll adapt our operations to still provide a really robust summer uh, program and event schedule in whatever capacity that that looks like you know this is maybe this is a time to clarify to the relationship as far as so we have Milan Park and within Milan Park um, the actual physical space there are a number of different entities or businesses or organizations now the good news is most of those are are nonprofit um, if not all of them correct that's correct. That's, that's correct. And so um, how does this also impact those individual entities as well and how they work with you in in the overall Milan Park arena? Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Okay. And, and, you know, just the, uh, the one that knew coming online was a new county extension building, and obviously we work with the county, but uh, that, that project uh, fortunately was completed, but, you know, the programming is impacted. Uh, we've reached out to both Pace, Stepping Stones. You know, they're they're in that same situation right now. Uh, again, you know, we, we do not know uh, in the future if they're going to even be able to have the, the Miracle League, um, you know, later in the summer. But we want to be positioned to help it if they can. But, but so many different people are impacted just with Pace alone, the number of jobs that their, their clientele perform and, and trying to stay in constant communication with them to see if, if there's anything that can be done. And, and they've actually, all of them seem to have positioned themselves very well uh, and, and doing the same thing as others, trying to just predict what this is going to look like and the impact on their organizations. Talking to Ron Justice, Keith Hearns from Milam Park. Uh, how have the improvement projects around the park been impacted? Well, we what we did is, uh, you know, we, we have two periods of time, the, the spring and the summer, and, and we've been very prudent to keep our capital budget separated from our operations budget. So we were able to move all of our spring projects forward, and, uh, you know, they, they in fact, we're just at, at completion of those. And that was very important for a lot of the small businesses, whether it's a landscape company or, or you know, a, a contractor, and doing it within all the guidelines. And then... What we'll do is we'll come back in the fall and, and evaluate the situation. And if some of those can move forward that we had scheduled for the fall, we will. If, if not, uh, we'll postpone them. But fortunately, we're in a position to be able to, to complete some really nice improvements. And so when the park does open back up, uh, users will see some definite improvements. And, and Keith can talk to the, the, some of the plans that they have for you know coming out because people are going to want to get outside. If they say 10 people can congregate, we want to be in a position to best do that with the recommendation of our health folks. Keith, we got a couple of minutes here. Give us an update. Sure, absolutely. So we're, you know, we're we're looking. At, we're unfortunately saddened by the, you know, the WBSSAC having to cancel spring sports. It's a big part of what we do in the spring. We understand, though, they're operating just as we are with everybody's safety as 
as a paramount concern. Uh, but we are looking forward to the three-week summer period and hopeful that we can uh, have Milan Park a hub of spring sports activity during that, that three-week period in early June. Uh, we also know that at some point in time, we're going to get the guidance to reopen the doors at the Aquatic Center, and that was always planned to be uh, a great community asset uh, this summer. So we we are, while we don't have a reopening date yet, we have decided to offer uh, a 30% off of all annual memberships uh, when that day comes to reopen. So as soon as we get that guidance, uh, we'll have a two-week period prior to reopening where folks can uh, secure that discounted annual membership. Our program uh, guide is still coming out next week, so that'll have all of our summer programs. We will make sure that we modify those programs to small group sizes or uh, appropriate distancing measures, whatever the, the compliance needs to be. Um, but we are really excited. We understand that Milan Park can be an asset for folks to to rebound from from these difficult times and still have a, a semblance of a of a normal and active summer. Guys, I got to tell you, Ron, I was looking forward already to coming out and uh, getting in the the new radio booth for the post two games this summer. I'm even more looking forward now to getting the chance to go sit in that radio booth as soon as possible. Well, Dave, what to have be remiss, and uh, uh, your your old Austin colleague uh, Del Miller has been so helpful moving things forward, and and most of our capital improvements in regards to that has been uh, part of. He's been a big part of it, and we're so thankful for that. We've had so many community volunteers step up, so we're looking forward to that too. And Ron, get it right, boss, <laughs> not colleague, boss. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> there you go. Ron Justice, Milan Park Foundation President, and Keith Hearns from Milan Park Director. Guys, stay safe, stay well, and can't wait to get back out there as soon as possible. All right, thank you. We appreciate you it, guys. Too. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you both. Absolutely. Nine forty-eight. Got to squeeze in a break. Back after this. You're listening to the Talk of the Town on WAJR. Got a couple of minutes left in the show. 304-TALK-304 is the text line. 800-765-TALK is the phone number. We're on the Twitter machine at Dave and Sarah AM is our Twitter handle. Morgantown City Council met last night virtually, as it has been for about the last month or so. A couple of things to pick out from that meeting. Uh, first of all, and this is not going to be unique to Morgantown. Every municipality is going to have to deal with this on some level. Uh, looking at the fiscal year 21 budget, um, Morgantown had to come back, and its first amendment was to reduce spending by $3.1 million. Some of the measures taken, there will not be any cost of living adjustments, um, managing overtime, cutting overtime as much as possible, hiring freeze, uh, some of the steps taken by the city of Morgantown. And nobody is going to be able to make easy decisions for, well, you know, this year and probably into next as well when we're looking at uh, budget revenues. But make no mistake, budget problems were occurring long before COVID-19 mm. showed up in Morgantown. See the firefighters. So I, I guess my message here is I understand hard decisions have to be made. They're not going to be easy. They're going to be very difficult. A lot of consideration is going to have to go into them. But don't blame all your troubles 
on the current situation. Uh, also last night, uh, the budget amendment was approved and uh, for the current fiscal year, uh, moving about $110,000 out of contingency, paying for a couple of things. And here's my hope. I'm going to try to go optimistic with this, Sarah, in the final 30 seconds before we got to take this last break. I hope with the departure of the current city manager, a couple of things change. One is better communication, better communication from City Hall to the city council members, better communication between the city hall, city council, and other government organizations because this has been a major issue. You could tell it was an issue last night when there was a contract signed to hire a consultant and council hadn't even signed off on the spending yet, but the contract got signed. I hope that improves. And I think that will go a long way into fixing what has been a completely dysfunctional local government for the last three years. Got to take the final break. Back after this. Now back to the talk of the town on WAJR. That's all for us. Hoppy Kirchival coming up next. State School Superintendent Clayton Birch will join him off the top of the show. We'll be back tomorrow, 9.06. Uh, Senator Shelley Moore Capito going to join us tomorrow to answer questions about the latest stimulus package passed in the Senate. Hoppy's next. Talk to you tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.